Welcome to Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. This podcast is a collection of historical and philosophical references, contemplations, lectures, and exchanges with David M. Valadez, his students, and guests. Podcasts are recorded on the mat at the Ascension Center in Southern California and in studio. These podcasts are provided to cultivate the warrior on the way and to add light to their path. So as I was saying, different times throughout the, for some of you, decades now, right? Um, why did you post this? Why did you recommend that book? This, this answer I'll give again, um, it's not because it's in agreement with me. Um, I think first and foremost, the reason why I share them is that uh, my, what I would call my insights um, came through a larger process, um, even if they are quite singular, unified uh, now. And for example, um, I have a long and uh, deep uh, fighting past. Um, and then my profession um, keeps that going. So there is in my past, my experience, um, this aspect that sets up the art for me in ways that I'm not 100% conscious of. I just know that experience um, helps to shape understanding. Do, do you see that? So when it comes to, for example, understanding the, let's just say, the religiosity of our practice, or even when it comes to understanding um, Budo or an East Asian practice, um, my understanding on these things comes from uh, 12 years of academic study in this in this field do you see I don't I'm not just picking up a John Stevens book for example and uh, or getting out a kanji dictionary and looking up what budo means do you see I have a, a long experience um, in studying this culture and in familiarizing myself with the history and alongside with um, other disciplines, so historiography itself, uh, philosophy of language, do you see, uh, epistemology, all, all of this goes into my experience with these practices that come to delineate or shape my understanding that you guys are getting at the end of, you know, this long process. Um, I think there's a kind of, uh, I don't know how to describe it, I think there's a kind of naivety to the teacher who just says, oh, I have digested all of this for you and all you have to do is what I'm doing now. It, it's somehow, it's, it seems disingenuous in the sense that, well, that's not how you got here. Um, you know, kind of a, an example for, uh, you know, that I was toying with the other day was uh, the founder had a very, very much a martial concern at one point in his training. Um, but at the end, it was all like, oh, no, we're just doing this kind of purif purification right. Um, and I... I can see his reasoning, as I said in the last blog entry. I can see it. Uh, it makes perfect sense. 
but in some ways it ignores the fact that that's not what you did. And so it seems very, very much a leap in reasoning that someone else can do what you're doing without doing what you did. Do, do you see that? Um, and so when it comes to ideas or, or uh, um, history or philosophy, I may have moved past many of these thinkers or maybe even outright disagree with them, but you don't have, you were not in a doctorate program on Japanese religious culture, do you see? Um, and so you, what, is your, what is your context? It's only if you think you're going to understand it by just getting my digested streamlined thing, I don't think that works. I think I'm doing you a disservice, do you see? So some clear examples of that would be um, um, you know, some of the, uh, the, the Zen, the, some of the Zen experience books that we have uh, read recently. So uh, there was the one man who still was a drug addict and then um, the woman, um, you know, who's still kind of struggling with Western feminism and things like that. And my position on this is uh, you do not understand the practice. Um, you got, you know, and just to be forthright is um, to show you how clearly different I am. I, d I do not recommend those books as this is how to do it. You see, these books are cautionary tales to me, um, if anything, uh, but they provide context, you see, for your overall practice. Um, as cautionary tales, in my, in my experience, where I have ended up, is you're looking at, at uh, examples of the diseased West. That is, that is what you're seeing here. Um, the diseased West has lost its uh, psychological and spiritual anchor points, and uh, they have uh, systematically over decades um, deconstructed uh, key things of our culture that in essence would keep us sane. And part of the things that we have dismantled uh, in the name of Westernism, really, uh, is the, the sky god, the sky god scenario. I, I, again, see, this is my streamlined, filtered thinking, do you see? Um, again, from all the studying, all the practice, um, so in a, what the hell am I talking about? Well, you have been asked to read uh, or been given things to read. Uh, let's say Joseph Campbell, and you have been informed about the hero's journey. Do you see? And in the hero's journey, uh, you have somebody um, who is very much egocentric, okay? And in the myth, as a, as he's egocentric, so he's oriented, everything goes about him, okay? And in essence, he um, is just wielding arbitrary power with, because there's no sense of justice or truth to it or anything like that, right? It's just driven by uh, his fears and his desires, his own um, spectrum of avoidance and attraction decision-making, you see? That's from our, my final context, you see? But it's in the text. If you read enough of these texts, you see it. Okay, and so he has to go out, for example, and uh, he's going to fight this dragon. You see? He's going to fight some monster, something that is pretty much like him. <laughs> or do you get, it's another one of him, really. Uh, but in battling another greater version of him, um, he ends up uh, learning how to not be egocentric and how to uh, 
free himself from his ego drives, from his fear drives, from his desire drives. And then he, in essence, becomes a, a, a value to his clan or his society, his culture. Do you see that? Um, in the history of religions, there's many theories of religion. There's many theories of uh, why were these stories made and passed down through time. Uh, this is something that Jordan Peterson has been able to capitalize upon um, in, in, a, in what appears to be a very novel way. Do you see? Uh, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but again, in my experience, um, he's really redoing Jung, who was redoing one of the founding fathers of religious studies, um, who you don't hear about anymore, uh, Macharia Eliada. Okay. Uh, and their idea was, Macharia Eliada's idea was that these stories are reflecting um, a kind of deep, there's a deep, 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 deep psychology to what's going on, which allows them to speak to multiple people across multiple generations, do you see? And even uh, across the globe, which is why you have so many flood stories, for example, or uh, other stories about uh, how creation happened. Um, there are some religious scholars who go, oh, no, this shows migration. But these theorists were like, no, 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 this is just deep, deep human stuff, okay? Um, and so towards the genesis of these myths, um, where I have landed is, is it's really describing at Yes, deep, deep psychological stuff, but at a micro level, really uh, the relationship, uh, particularly young males with um, dominant males in their household. Um, it is a way for the young male to uh, stop being uh, what in essence, like our culture recognizes this, but cultures throughout time and history have recognized this. Uh, you used to even see it in the animal kingdom. Uh, males have a destructive aspect to them uh, in terms of culture and the maintenance of culture, especially uh, disassociated males. Okay? So um, societies, cultures have always found some way of taking that uh, potential and shaping it into something useful, meaning some service towards the larger group, okay? This is where warriorhood came from. This is the difference between the warrior and the criminal, okay? Um, or in modern context, between uh, the sheepdog and the wolf, right? The, the law enforcement officer and the criminal, the predator. Both, both are capable of violence, but one does it in the service of the larger group and one does it in the service of their own individual self, okay? And this is what is being um, narrated, so to speak, and describing a process. But the flip side of this is that the process itself was necessary in order for this male to become uh, this valued member of society. What we have done instead was said, let's just have you be a valued member of society. Uh, we took away the process that created that, you see. Um, and so what we do now is we have, um, we have very, very ineffective, insufficient, and damaging relationships with our fathers now whether we are male or female, daughter or son. Um, we don't have them functioning in this traditional way, and each individual has to reconcile um, the experience of arbitrary power. Uh, and so what we do is what the myths told us we were going to do is we're just going to wield arbitrary power too. We're just going to make decisions based on our fear and our, our desires. Uh, without this larger sense for what is better for the community. 
Um, so when you have these people um, who go into Zen now, well, a lot of it is they're running away from the dad. They're running away from bad father relationships. Um, and you can kind of see it in how they relate to authority because they never reconciled. They never reconciled it at all. They're, they're still stuck in, in essence in an adolescent phase of rebellion. And that is very problematic when you enter into a technology of self like Zen, which requires the master-disciple relationship. Well, okay, why does it require it? Because of the way that the ego reifies itself, Zen and a countless other such traditions, Budo being one, Aikido being one, uh, in order to prevent the deshi from usurping the practice uh, through self-indulgence and just repurposing everything for more ego gratification, you have another human being, the master, who you defer to, to get you past yourself, okay? But when you have an unreconciled father relationship, that master is now the dad who fucked you over, or, you know, you, 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 you have a problem with that model. And so you cannot engage in it. You cannot practice it. It's threatening to you. You hear this all the time, right? I mean, modern Aikidoka are just terrified of the master-disciple relationship. And slowly um, and greatly over time, your sensei, in air quotes here, is just a kind of class leader, you see. And there is no uh, need for the master anymore. Uh, but what do you also see? There's also no production of what the master-disciple relationship was supposed to produce. So, for example, the internal aspects which require an emptying of self, gone. We're going to do everything external. To yield and to non-contest means to disengage and retreat and take angles. We don't, we don't have anybody that can do koku projections and aiki adhesions. So, oh, let's change what those mean. Let's change the meaning of those words, too. You also don't have the production of um, being able to enter into that second mind aspect, which you brought up, which you would call, scholars of religion would call it into that mystical state, which clearly the founder did. Now, now, no, 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 no. That is bad. That is crazy. That is superstitious. That is no. Yet, all our neuroscience now is going, hey, we got to figure out how to bring this back in because uh, we're all suffering hugely from uh, anxiety and, and schizophrenia and depression and suicide rate and addiction of opiates is through the roof. And of course, you also don't have uh, any kind of uh, spontaneity with the art. So you have something called Jiwaza, again in air quotes, but it's just people take turns grabbing at your gi at the shoulder. You know what I mean? It's not, hey, you come in with what you want to come in, and I do what I want to do. do. Do you get it? You know, oh, no, we don't do that. No, no, no. Because, again, in all three of these things, the internal aspects, um, the mystic state, and the spontaneity of the art, Takamusu Aiki, it requires an emptying of self, you see? And you're not going to do that. Your ego is not capable of doing that on its own, which is why uh, traditions like Zen had implemented the tool, the technology of another human being uh, that could aid you in that releasing, you see? So you don't have any of those things. So what happens when these people, like in those books we had you read, and they go to the temples, they just can't do it. They can't do it. It doesn't work because, in essence, they're damaged goods. 
That's, that's really what happened. So again, if you look at um, the adverse childhood experiences study, and you're going to plot for, well, let's define damage. What does Dave mean by damaged goods, right? And you go like, let's just look criminal behavior, at-risk behavior. So you know, uh, um, prepubescent sexual sexuality. Uh, let's look at, uh, let's put cancer in there. And you start putting all these kind of things in there. And you're like, holy shit, what is the biggest determinant? Oh, the broken home. Broken home. Well, what does that mean? That means pops is out. That's what happens, right? And now these people, right, if you look deeper again, why they leave, why? You, most of them are Christian. They're Catholic. You see, why do they leave that in droves? Because there's a sky god in there. You see, there's a dad, there's the father, God the father. Right? And he's got rules. Fucking dad. So they go, I'm going out. I'm getting out. I'm going to go to this, this guy. He looks quiet, shaves his head, looks so serene, looks like a nice dad. Only he's all like, hey, here's what we do from this time to that time. And we do it like this. Not like that, like this. And then everything is like that. And you're like, holy shit. The orphanage is worse. <laughs> anyway, structurally, psychologically, you can't implement the training. You just can't. Okay. So that is a book, in essence, that... I am totally against. I think those people are lost. As you can see, as I just revealed to you all of this, I mean, look how, look in my, in looking with my mind, what I thought of those authors. Like, damaged goods. Well, why would I have you read it? You see? So you have a broader context, a broader context for your own practice. If you are trying to uh, release the self, in my opinion, it's not enough to just tell you how I think you release the self. You see? I think you should also know how people don't release the self. And I think you should know how people say they release the self, but don't release the self. So those books are recommended, you see. Um, but in, in many ways, I'm not going to recommend, for example, um, you know, how to get the most money for your beanie babies. It's not really relevant to what we're doing. Do you, do you get that? So th there's always going to be some sense of overlap, okay? Um, but I would never assume that it's being recommended to you because I'm in total agreement with you, with that book, okay, or that person. Um, and I would ask you, as I've said many times, um, if there was someone that my experience led me to believe they are right on the money, then I would not be here. I would be there. So you can kind of go reverse engineer this reasoning and go, oh, Sensei's still here, so he doesn't really agree entirely with this person. Do, do you get that? I don't. Okay. Um, the only reason why Sension Center exists is because it does not exist elsewhere. That is, that is it. Okay. So you might want to ask if you're curious, like, oh, what, what part don't you agree with this? And then you'll, you know, you get something as crass as, oh, those people are damaged goods. Right? Something like that. So, I think another question related to this for me is a different one that you asked, which is, how do you go deeper? How do you go deeper? And, um, you could see, like, if you, if you start to dismantle things, 
it's going to be very difficult to go deeper. Or if you are, through your own personal history, constructed in a way that you cannot use the tools that help you go deeper, um, that's part of the problem, okay? Or, or better said, that should be where your practice should begin, okay? You, you, have to, uh, you have to work on that or work with that before you can now work on the next thing. And this is not a new concept to you because, for example, um, again, my position, again, so my position is that uh, Aikido demographically is made up of you guys. You guys. You, who are you guys? Well, you're upper middle class educated, um, uh, liberal leaning um, Westerners, Californians, do you see? And like most Aikidoka, they don't recognize themselves. They don't recognize their cultural bias and because most people that train, train egocentrically, which means you train ethnocentrically, okay? Um, that's a problem because the whole point of the awakening that Budo praxis aims towards is a kind of liberation. Well, that liberation also includes that freedom from your personal history and freedom from your personal era, your culture, you see, your cultural fictions. So you're that demographic. And in, a, in many ways, I would say you're predisposed to not understand Aikido, to not understand it. You're predisposed to usurp it and to assimilate it like the Borg into your current culture. Just like all those countless people that want to get rid of the sensei deshi relationship and make a class leader and they talk about all the dangers of the master-disciple relationship, you know, and they, they're going to prioritize safety. And then by extension, no knife disarms. That's unsafe. Do you see? Uh, all this kind of bull crap. Or they want to talk about the martial prowess of the art, but this demographic is not subject to crime. You, ha you have... You have risen yourself out of the demographic where violence is part of communication. Statistically, your demographic is you are overwhelmingly more likely to hurt yourself than to be hurt by someone else. Overwhelmingly. Well, that should give an entirely new understanding to the phrase self-defense. Yet it does not, do you see? You still are picturing being attacked. Do you get it? You still picture that, and you still um, imagine it occurring through the information that your demographic produces. Hollywood fantasy, do you see? So you, you picture this violent encounter uh, and you're like John Wicking everyone. Do you get it? But in reality, your demographic should picture um, the way that you are addicted to opiates or the way you're putting guns in your mouth or the way you're wishing you could just die and stop this pain and get some relief from it. That's your self-defense. But we, we don't do that. And in the way that your demographic has desacralized, desacralized the world, 
and your experience of the world, and you have adopted a scientific world experience, and it's secular material. At ways you can't perceive. You, you, you have some semblance of it here or there, but you have no idea. Because it's your culture, you can't see it. So today, uh, like in one day, I saw a dojo that took off the, the uh, shrine and put a little bonsai tree on it because well, we, we, don't, we don't do that. I saw another one that had a rainbow belt. Another one... Let's cancel Russian Aikido. <laughs> Why these things? Because you got nothing deeper. You have nothing deeper. So the art is exercise, and it does not produce wisdom. So there's no point in listening to the person that's leading the class. It's just a dude. It's just Joe. Fuck Joe. I hate Joe's running the class. I hate how Joe runs class. You know, it's like you go to, in, in, remember in the 80s, you had aerobics and you, everyone had their favorite aerobics instructor. This other one, they play music, it's too fast. You know, you're just exercising now, do you get it? You're predisposed towards this superficiality because your entire culture is superficial. And that's what's making you all go crazy. Mentally ill. I always feel like there's, there's countries where Aikido is relatively new to still. There's regions of the world. And it's like, oh, don't get it from Europe or the United States. Don't get it from there. You, you, should, you should do your own thing. Because it's not working. You're going to just be exercising. So when you talk about how do I go deeper, well, first thing again is can you? Can you? Are you tied to this culture that just has no depth to it? Work on that. Work on that. How can that not be worthy of your time and effort? How can that not be necessary? Monitor yourself. Monitor yourself for these things. Do I have a John Wick understanding of this art? Do I think we should have rainbow belts? Do you know? Do I, I hate the way Sensei runs this class. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you can look for it. You can see where it is being asserts, the training, the training paradigm, the training culture by your demographics culture. Now, once you've done that, I would go into, is there, is there depth? Is there depth to what I'm doing? Let's figure that out. You're going to have to figure out what are you doing. Right? So if you go like, I'm just exercising. Okay, there's no depth to what you're doing. Don't worry about it. Exercise. This is a very... Poor way of exercising. If you want to get stronger, you should follow Mark Ripito. If you want to get more fit, go do CrossFit. You're going to get fitter. You want to get more flexible, go do yoga. Go do that, your demographics yoga, which is not real yoga. It's an 
usurping of yoga, do you see? It has no depth. Oh, it makes me feel good. Yeah, okay. Remember that thing about the hero's journey? You're just a monster. Okay, what, what, what could depth possibly mean? If we're going to say exercise is not depth, what could depth possibly mean? Okay. And let's just speak, again, an amalgam of all my practice, all my research. A thing that entails more aspects of your being, I would consider deeper than a thing that only entails a few or one aspect of your being. So exercise, I would say, is not deep because it's only your physiology. Are, are you more than a body? Well, if you add more than your physiology to your practice, this practice now becomes deeper. Another sign of depth is its transportability. Does, is the practice of such a nature that it can be, let's just go to the maximum extreme, that the entire experience you have of the world, that means you're everything, does the practice show itself there? Does it have the potential to do that or not? For example, again, exercise. Does the practice show up when you're with your spouse and you're arguing over, she left the dishes again in the sink, and she's telling you, I did it last night, you're doing it tonight, no, I'm not, yes, you are, I got to finish this assignment, no, you have to, no, you're going to start busting out some push-ups, and, and, and then now you get along, and it, it's all fixed, no. No, okay, you're arguing with your boss, you've got this work environment, it's just, uh, toxic, it's so gross here. All right, let me do some push-ups, I'm going to fix this. It's not, do you see, it's not transportable there. What we have done here is cut to the chase. Cut to the chase. It's not that I invented it. It is the goal of Budo. You are in a Budo. It is the goal of Budo. But why, well, how do I say that? Because I did the history. And Budo is another manifestation of the Buddha's teaching. And again, if you did the history, regardless of what the Buddhists say, the Buddha's teaching is another manifestation of Hindu, Vedic, subcontinent India teaching. And again, if you do and you know the history, that teaching is all over the world. And what is the core of this teaching? It is the deconstruction, again, my word, the deconstruction of the ego tripartite. Or you could borrow any one of these other words. It is awakening. It is moksha. It is samadhi. Do you see? It is where you are no longer that monster that has not slayed the other monster so that you stop being a monster. You didn't do the hero's journey. If you go, hey, as someone did today, took that ego tripartite, wanted to make their own working definition. They're like, the I, I get to discover the I, I get to discover the non-I, and I get to discover the ways that I reify the I. Oh, yes, that is a very simple, practical way of understanding the ego tripartite. Okay? Again, did I say it? No. Which means what? I don't 100% agree with it. Hence the phrase, working definition. 
not my definition. Okay? If I did 100% agree with it, where would I be? I'd be over there. But it works. Do you see? So imagine all the places where if you could release yourself from your fears, from your pride, from your ignorance, is that transportable? Is there, can you think of an environment where it would not be able to manifest itself? Now, I can, because it's like Buckaroo Banzai. Wherever you go, there you are. One of the greatest lines. And he was a Zen, a Zen master. You, know, you, you transport the problem with you means you transport the solution with you. So when you look at your Aikido, and we mark those three primary aspects of the art, right? One is the, that very process itself. The, the manifestation of the second mind aspect, that's my phrase. But you could say the mystical state. You could say another phrase, the flow state, you see. You could take, um, what's his name, Ian McGilchrist. In his understanding, he's like the right hemisphere. This goes everywhere with you. So here I have transportability. And it encapsulates all of me. You better believe your body is part of this. This is all what Ian is saying in all his books. You can't separate it. You can't separate mind and body. But again, if you know the history, that was the view pre-enlightenment. That was the view. So when we're talking about how do I go deeper, well, that's it, baby. I now know what death is. I now know that I have some, I might have some cultural obstacles towards that death. Okay, work on those. But you might also discover the classical obstacles. The ones that were there before your culture arose and started to dominate the world. Those are still in play. Do not think. That you just got to get past your culture. You got to get past your own humanity. Now, other cultures from other lands and other times, they already solved for these things. It makes no sense to try to come up with new ways of solving for it, especially in light of our ethnocentric tendencies. Probably my new way is only going to reify my culture. This, I think, is what you see. Again, I think, my opinion, where I landed, in the way that Aikido is understood metaphorically. Metaphorically as what? It's nothing more than your demographics morality system. So when they talk about nonviolence, that's just it. That's what it is. It's, it's your demographics morality system. I'm going to try to avoid violence at all costs by allowing you to have an equally, an equally legitimate view as mine. Do you see? And now there's no conflict because you're right and I'm right and we have a win-win situation and we'll figure out how to reach some sort of agreement. Now, that's just your demographic's ideal of social interaction. You try to have that position with someone from another demographic where violence is still part of the language, they're just going to punch you in the face. Boom! Turn you upside down, take your lunch money. Not think twice about you, except you a joke when they go tell their friend. You're not going to believe what this person was. And mid-sentence, boom, right in the face. 
Now, of course, in your demographics fantasy, you continue. Well, if they don't want to see the win-win situation and they do try to punch me in the face, and now, now you John Wickham. Do you know what I mean? I don't see that as a new or an alternative to what this other person was doing. They just went right for the power game. Do you see? They didn't play your power game of the prioritization of language. They just went for who has the most might. That's right. So I wouldn't come up with new ways, new technologies to help me get to this depth because I'm probably going to come up with the rainbow belts, do you see, and cancel Russian Aikido and all this kind of stuff. I would use the old tools. They're time tested. And when you look at the old tools, the old tools are a series of technologies where you defer your ego. That's what you do. Why do you come to the Zen temple and the majority of your practice is work? It's not Zazen. It is not Zazen. because you don't want to do the work. How do they know that? Because we've been doing this for hundreds of years and you don't like working. Look at yourselves now. Oh, I wish I could retire. Right? I remember when I used to love this. Get me out of this place. And they're not fools. It's not just work. It's Work nobody likes. It's menial. It's repetitive. And you can't do it right. You can't. You're never going to do it right. It's not clean enough. It's not smooth enough. This is all meant to use the stress adaptation model. Because that, too, is time-tested. You're doing the same thing in, with Uke. Uke's pushing on you. They're pushing on you. Are you going to push them back? Okay, if you, you, you made it this time, guess what we're going to do? They're now pushing harder. And now they're pushing faster. And now there's two of them. Now there's three of them. And if you pay attention and if you ask the question, in the same way that you go, why can't I stop pushing on Uke? Why can't I stop pulling on Uke? You could ask the question, why can't I just separate the little dirt stones from the rice purely. Why does this bother me at all? Why do I have a start and stop to this? Why is there something else that I have to do? Why do I have that feeling? Why does it matter if they put more rice for me to separate out and it just keeps coming and coming? Why can't I just do this? Because the ego, which is why they're doing the practice. And it's not about the rice. It's not about the rice. Same thing is going on here. This practice is not about ikkyo. It's not about nikkyo. Those are just the vessels. Those are just the technologies. You do ikkyo, but you cannot deconstruct this ego tripartite. 
you're not doing Ikkyo as far as I understand it. You're just, I don't know. You're in a John Wick fantasy. Uh, you're exercising. You're arm wrestling. You like Japanese cosplay. I don't know. But it's not Budo. And if it's not Budo, it's not Aikido because Aikido is Budo. And if it's not Aikido, then why are you here? What are you doing? You're probably usurping the art. You're probably repurposing it, redefining it. To what end? We told you the end, to reify the ego. To remain untransformed. To me, this, this is not a one-time question. You need to be asking it, how do I go deeper? You need to be asking it every second of every day. But the answer remains the same. It's the one I gave you now. It's the one I've given you before, and it's the one I'll give you tomorrow. This concludes this episode of Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. For more information, please visit sentiencenter.com, S-E-N-S-H-I-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com, or find us at Facebook at Sension Center and on our YouTube channel at Sension One. Thank you for listening.